One of my greatest strengths and also one of my greatest struggles, it's a two-edged sword for me, is that I tend to have this attitude of all or nothing about things I put my energy to in life. So I'm like either all in 100% or I'm like, I really don't have anything to do with it. And that's probably not best at some points. Some things, that's not a good thing. At other times, I'm all in with something. Like you, you're gonna get my full undivided attention whenever you have me bought into something. And so I'll give you some examples. When I was a kid growing up, Moose Tracks ice cream was my favorite ice cream and I had it almost every night before bed. Anybody know about Moose Tracks? Yeah. Y'all been there, right? Okay, yeah. I used to be all about it. I haven't had Moose Tracks in really probably since high school. What's Moose Tracks? It's, I, I don't have enough time to explain it, all right? Just trust me. But I used to be all in on it, and then I was donezo. Recently, I wanted to go get into pickleball, so I went and bought me like a $90 paddle, and I was all in. I mean, I was playing three times a week to learn how to play pickleball. A couple years ago, I was like, I'm gonna go on a diet, and so I went vegetarian for 30 days straight. I mean, I was all in, you know? Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. There's a lot of things in life. Does anyone else live that way? Nady, buddy. Do y'all, does anyone else live that way where you live in extremes, where you're like all in or you're like not engaged at all? Y'all live there sometimes? Well, Peter was a guy, Peter was a guy in the Bible that honestly, I'm being real with you, I think he had moments where he was just all in. And there's also moments where this man was just made big mistakes, where he struggled. He was all in and then he was kind of, struggling to walk with the Lord at the same time. And we see it throughout his life. There's, there's all kinds of moments for this for Peter where he was full of faith or he was full of unfaith. Or he was, he was full of, man, feats, big wins, big, man, joys, but then also moments of big failures at the same time. And I'm gonna be real with you. I think all of us probably relate with Peter the most because we see our faults and failures all the time. And those are the ones that are pointed out in scripture. And so I tell you all that because here's the deal. Tonight, we're gonna to look at a moment for Peter where there was great faith, but man, there was great mistakes in it as well. And uh, we're gonna look at this. It's in Matthew chapter, I think it's 14 is where we're at. Matthew chapter 14. The story picks up right after John the Baptist has been beheaded. A king was keeping the promise he made to a woman. And she said, I want John the, John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so he did exactly what the woman said, brought John the Baptist in and beheaded John the Baptist. This news comes to Jesus and Jesus is seeking to get away to be alone with the Lord. I think he's just wanting to talk with the Lord after hearing this bad news about his friend. In the middle of that, a large crowd comes and finds him and they are basically like with him. And and the disciples are like, there's a huge crowd. We need to send them away so then go back into the towns and get food tonight. And Jesus is like, why would we send them away? He says, he's basically like, bring them all together, have them sit down on the ground and we're gonna bust out some Lunchables with some bread and some fish for these cats. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, they throw down. Jesus multiplies. This is an amazing miracle. He feeds, it says 5,000 men, but that means there are probably close to at least 10,000 people total at minimum who were there because you've got women and children as well. And so there's 
thousands of people that are fed from one person's lunch sack that day. Just being honest, that's, that's impossible. But God did it. He miraculously fed them in the middle of a very barren spot when they didn't have any food. And so then after that, he goes to his 12 disciples and he tells them that they're gonna get inside of a boat and he's gonna send them across the river or across the river, across the lake, the sea. And that's where we're gonna pick up Luke 14, starting in verse 22, after he just fed the 5,000. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So Jesus is saying, hey, my 12 disciples, my people who follow me, I'm gonna take you, we're gonna load you up on your boat, get you packed in, seat belts in, all that kind of good stuff. And he's shipping them off. He says, you're gonna go to the other side of the sea. And then he turns to the crowds and says, y'all are gonna be dismissed too. Y'all go back to your homes, go to the Holiday Inn, find you a spot to crash for the night. We are done here. And this is what Jesus does. It says, after he had dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Think about it. He's just been ministering, pouring his heart out all day long. This cat is tired, worn out. And he says, I'm not gonna go home and go to sleep or I'm not gonna go home and veg out with a new TV series. He says, I am gonna go up on the mountain by myself, me and the Lord, and I'm just gonna talk to him. I'm gonna spend time with my God. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this, this hit me hard because I was thinking, I was like, man, I pray all the time before ministry, but how many times do I come home from the mix on a Wednesday night and say, I'm gonna go spend time just praying with the Lord after the mix? That's not very common for me. I'm normally going to pray before the ministry happens, but not after the ministry happens. That's what Jesus did here. It was just convicting for me. So Jesus, if Jesus is getting away to go pray with the Lord, what do y'all think that means for us? We ought to, right? I mean, Jesus was, I mean, he had a lot of things going for him, right? I mean, son of God, perfect, long hair. I mean, all the cool things, right? He was still praying. How much more do we who are fallen and make mistakes and struggle, how much more should we be spending time with the Lord like that? Does anyone think praying's hard at all? Anybody ever struggle with that? You feel like you don't know how to pray or don't know how to begin praying? Well, one day we're gonna break it down for you guys. We're gonna talk through how you can pray on your own, in your house, when you're not at corporate church or in a group of three. How do you do it solo, you and the Lord? Can I do that with y'all one night? We'll do that, Okay. Jesus gets away and he spends time praying with the Lord. It says, when evening came, he was there, what? What was he there? Oh, you don't have it on the screen, do y'all? Do y'all have it? He was there alone. He was by himself. Now I just want y'all to know right now, being alone, being by yourself with just you and the Lord is a good thing sometimes. Sometimes we always want to fill our life with people and friends, all these things. I just want you to know, sometimes the Lord is giving you moments of silence to just think and process and talk and spend time with him. So I just want to encourage you. Being alone is not a bad thing. That's what the Lord is doing here. It says, but the boat, where's the boat? It's on the sea, right? The boat by this time was a long way from the land and it was beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. So they're in the middle of a storm, right? Remember this, Jesus was over here, fastening their seatbelts, getting them locked and loaded, and they're going from here all the way to the other side. But somewhere in this middle ground, they ran into a storm. 
Do y'all think Jesus knew there was a storm out there? No. I think so, right? I would think so. God who knows all things, knows all of creation. I think God knew there was a storm out there as well. Although the storm wasn't the mission, it was getting them to the other side. So in the fourth watch, do y'all know what that means? It means about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. I love how nonchalant it's like that in the Bible. It just puts walking in the sea, you know? And I don't mean he's got like scuba gear on. I mean like he's on top of this bad boy, you know? And he's not running so fast that like he's breaking, you know, friction. He's making it work. No, this man's walking. This man's just strolling on the sea out to the disciples. It's such a miracle, man. But when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is Casper, right? They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. He gives them a call to action, take courage in your heart. He gives them a comforting presence, it's me, Jesus. And third, he gives them a command to obey, do not be afraid. And Peter, man, we love Peter. We heard about Peter last week, right? Peter is, he's one of my favorite characters. It says, Peter answered Jesus, Lord, if it is you, there's some doubt in his heart, right? Peter doubts Jesus. Is it really him? Command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on, baby. Come on out. Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on the water and he came to Jesus. Now, this is incredible too. Jesus who's doing something mighty, incredible, miraculous, invites one of his disciples who's following him to experience the same thing he's doing on the water. I want you to see this. He called him out of the boat into an experience that he had never walked in before, but it would require him to walk in faith. Hey, Nate, Eli, Nate and Eli. Hey, man, don't mess with David, okay, bud? When he saw the wind, Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began sinking. He cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter is walking. This man is walking out towards Jesus. He's getting closer. I don't know if he got all the way to Jesus and was talking with him here, but something happens where he looks and sees the waves instead of Jesus. And because of that, he begins to sink. And he cries out in the middle of this stormy wave. And he says, Lord, save me. And this is the third time we see this in this passage. It says immediately, it says three times in this story, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and he took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And if you want to mark it, just circle Son of God. That is Matthew's favorite term for Jesus in the book of Matthew. He uses Son of God over and over again to describe who Jesus is. Tonight, I've got three things for you. It's real simple. You can write at the top of your paper, or first big overarching theme is this. If you decide to follow Jesus, 
your decision to follow Jesus will lead you into storms. Your decision to follow Jesus will lead you into storms. I want you to see this. Jesus was sending them to the other side, but he very well knew that there was a storm in between it. The storm's not bad. The trial is not your enemy. What you see here is that the same God who's gonna lead you into the storm is the same God who's gonna lead you through the storm. And I don't mean that God's up here creating trials for you. I just mean that he's gonna take you from point A to point B and it may be rocky or it may be a valley or it may be a storm in between here and there, but your God is gonna take care of you. When God took, y'all been reading through Exodus with us some? Remember when God pulled them out of Egypt? What a bad spot to be in. He pulls them out of Egypt and says, I'm gonna take you to the land of Canaan. But my goodness, there's not a gold, you know, bricked out road to get there. It's not cute and pretty the whole way. It's a wilderness. And you're gonna walk through a Red Sea. Holy moly, how does that happen? You're gonna get in the wilderness, you're gonna be hungry and not know what to do and I'm gonna provide manna for you. You're gonna be in the middle of a desert wandering in the wilderness, but I am your God. I'm leading you somewhere to the other side. And there may be a storm between here and there, but I am the God who got you there and I'm gonna get you through it. That's what we know about when you follow Jesus, storms are going to come. Storms just happen, man. And y'all know that, y'all have lived in that. If you, I remember when I was seven years old, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And since then, it hasn't just been high fives, hugs, rainbows, butterflies, jelly beans every day. That hasn't been my life for, for, my, for since I got saved. I've had storms, I've had challenges, I've had deaths in my, in my life. I've had loss of friends. I've, I've gone through difficult days. But God is taking you, that's okay. God is taking you somewhere on the journey that's so good on the other side. Right here, guys. Here's what I know, is that the God who is taking you into the storm is the same God who's gonna carry you through the storm. Do we have that on the screen? Yeah, we do. I just don't want you to think that God is abandoning you when you go through a hard day or a bad day. God is walking you through it. And here's what I love about it. Jesus came to visit his followers in the middle of the storm and in the middle of the night. And I just want to let you know right now, wherever you're at, some of y'all are in the middle of a storm right now. I heard a pastor say, he said, you're either entering into a storm, you're either coming out of a storm, or you're right smack dab in the middle of it. And I don't know, I'm not here to bank that on a truth or not. I'm just telling you this right now. If you're in a storm right now, if you're walking through a hard season, you're like, dude, this is the pits. I just want you to know God loves you. He sees you. And this storm has not caught him off guard. He's got big plans for you. Just stick close and walk in faith with him. If I'm gonna be real with you, sixth grade, when I first came to middle school, was so much fun. Me and my best friend, Cody, we were having a blast every day. And then I made it to seventh grade and I would have thought I had just entered the armpit of life. It was the pits, you know? It was horrible. I hated it. 
Seventh grade was the worst year of my middle school and high school days by far. I struggled in school, I struggled with friends, and, and I, just, I just didn't have any confidence when I went to school, it was the worst. Eighth grade was amazing. It was so much fun. I loved my eighth grade year. I would go, if you were to pick a year for me to go back to, it's eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I get that, Corey. I'm in seventh grade right now and it is not fun. And here's what I want you to know. No matter where you're at with your season, whether it's with family, whether it's with school, whether it's sports, whether it's internally with yourself, whatever it is, I just want you to know, whatever you're dealing with, God is gonna carry you and walk you through this season for something better on the other side. God is not leading you down a dark and dungy road with, without a light and a joy and a better thing on the other side. I promise that's not a good father who would do that. You have a great father in the Lord who has got great plans for your life. And I know it may look rocky right now, but I'm telling you right now, the Lord has got something. Just stay close with him. Second thing is this, if, you, if your decision to follow Jesus will not only lead you into storms, but also it will test your faith. Your decision to follow Jesus will test your faith. You see, in this story right here, you see Peter. He says, Lord, if it is really you, if it's really you, call to me to come out in the water and I'll follow you. And Jesus calls him out there. He walks out on the water. And for a moment, this cat is, can I grab you real quick? Can I pull you up real quick, Parker? I want you to stand right here in the middle of the room for me, okay? You can, you can, you can go right there, perfect. Yeah, great, I'll go this way. For a moment, Peter steps out of the boat and he has got his eyes fixed on the Savior. And this cat is walking on top of some swells, man, some big old waves. The storm is still going on. The storm is all around him. And this cat is walking on the waves because he's got his eyes fixed on the Savior in the middle of it. He's experiencing something so rich and so cool that only God could allow him to walk through in the middle of a storm because he's walking with the Lord here. He's walking and he's stepping in faith. And I don't know, guys, I don't, I don't know if he made it all the way to here. I don't know if he made it back here, but somewhere along the journey, he took his eyes off the Savior and set his eyes on the storm around him. And he's seeing the waves and he's seeing the rain and he's seeing the fish and they're nervous, you know, I don't know maybe what's going on, but he takes his eyes off of the Savior and puts it on the storm. In the middle of that moment, he begins to sink. I appreciate you so much. Here's what I want you to see is that when you take your eyes off the Savior and place them on the storm, you miss out on the experience with the Savior and you get wrapped up in the waves of the storm. Peter was experiencing something so cool when he was just fixing his eyes on the Lord. Yeah, all around him was gloomy and rough and dangerous and hard, but man, when he kept his eyes on the Lord, he was experiencing something so good. And it wasn't until he looked away from it and started worrying and fearing and doubting until he started to fall away from what the Lord had for him. Don't you wanna experience the Lord in the middle of storms? Don't you wanna experience the walking on water kind of moments with the Lord? 
I'm not saying that tonight you should go find you a good pond and just see how it goes with the storm today. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) But some of y'all know what I'm talking about with the storms in life, whether it be with school, family, friends. Don't you wanna see God work miraculously in those and involve you and include you in that and you get to experience it? If you spend your days worrying about the waves of the storm, the difficulties of life, the worries that come up upon you, if you fix your eyes on those things, I'm telling you right now, you will not experience what God has for you. And it's gonna require you, if you want to experience the Lord, to walk in faith, setting your eyes on first and foremost the Lord and keeping them there. So let me ask you this, that sounds real churchy. How do you do that? Remember your groups of three that we just talked about? That two or three people that you got? I want you to talk about right now. Here's what I want you to, I want you to answer this question. We're, we, got, we got another point coming, so don't pack up yet. I want you to talk about with your friends real quick. What does it look like for you to keep your eyes on the Savior and not on the storm? How do you do that as a middle schooler? How do you do that as a young man or a young woman of God? How do you do that right now? keeping your eyes on the Savior and not the storm. Go. All right, real quick. Some of y'all got some good answers for what you are uh, talking through. How do you keep your eyes on the Savior and not the the middle of this? How do you keep your eyes on the Savior and not the storm? And I want to have Bree. She's going to be our helper to find out who wants to share a little bit. What's your answer? How does a middle schooler, go right here, Adelaide, right here. Come on. Or Madden, either one of y'all. Paying attention more on... um standing out and fitting in as a Christian. Yeah, it's great. What about you, Ben? Go ahead, you got one too. Um, like, uh, like read the Bible every night and just think on the positives that he's given you yeah. that day. Yeah, that's great. Mad, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned, you can give it back to you real quick. I'm gonna ask you one more question. So let me ask you this. You said read the Bible every, every day. How does that help you keep your eyes on Jesus and not on maybe the things that are struggles in life? Like, it just tells me how people followed, or like it, when I read about it, it just, I read about people that followed him and how they just trusted him and had faith in him. So I'll just think about like the end of the storm. Um, yeah. And just think about what could come out good. Of That's it really cool. That's really cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's really good. Who else? Any of them in the back? Who we pick? Bring sounds good to me. Um, to like help the storm, I guess, uh, like, you have to choose who's around you. And mm-hmm. so if you choose, like, more godly people around you, then it'll be easier to, easier to fix your eyes on God. Yeah. But if you have a bunch of, like, uh, not as good friends around you, then it's going to be hard to, like, mm-hmm. see God and focus on Him. And, and I know what you mean. How do you do that, though, Trey? I think about some of y'all have friends at school that, to be honest, they don't love Jesus at all, but they're your friend. Like, you love them, and y'all hang out, and y'all are tight, and all those things, but... How do, you, how do you do that well? You know, I, I remember whenever I was in middle school, my best friend, I mentioned Cody, in sixth grade, by the time we got to ninth grade, we were not friends. I actually texted him twice this week because he just got back from Atlanta and uh, is coming, he, got a new, he just has a new baby and just got back home with his family. And so I was just texting with him back and forth before Easter. But he's a guy that I know never walked with, the, with God. And when we got to high school, our ways were a little bit different. I'm still his friend. I still love the guy, but our circles were a little bit different at that point. Does that make sense? And I think, I think that's a challenge. I think for every middle schooler, if you're thinking about friends, 
You gotta think about being a, having godly friends around you. You gotta think about having godly people around you. But you also gotta think about being a godly friend. Because Cody also needs godly friends in his life too. So you gotta juggle that. It's a hard balance. And I think you, you pray about it. Seek the Lord. He'll give you wisdom on what friends you're like, hey, I probably need to distance myself some, or hey, I probably need to just continue loving them some more but I need to stand strong in what the Bible says. You know, like, how do you juggle that? So if y'all want to talk more about that sometime, I'd love to talk more, but let's go, let's go another one, one more. Um, giving up on worldly desires. Like, giving up on worldly desires. Like, you like this one thing and you want to have this one thing, but you know it's not right and you know it's not what God wants. Yeah. Just giving up on that completely and just focusing all your attention to God. Yeah, no, that's Making great, 180. man. That's great. Yeah, the repentance, right? 180, yeah. No, that's great. All right, well, listen, we gotta keep rolling for the night, but those are good answers. Thank y'all for sharing tonight. Here's our last point we're going to. So when you make your decision to follow Jesus as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, your decision, one, it is going to lead you into storms in life. That's gonna happen. Your decision to follow Jesus is also gonna test your faith. Are you all in? Are you gonna trust the Lord? But the last one is this, and this one's my favorite. I'm gonna be honest, this is my favorite part of this whole story is your decision to follow Jesus will change your worship. Your decision to follow Jesus will change your worship. I heard a guy one time, he talked about how he was visiting this guy in uh, Africa and he said, he said, hey man, I, I'd love for you to come visit the United States. And he says, I've been once. He said, I will never go again. And he was like, what, what do you mean? He said, I could not fathom the idol worship in your nation. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm standing next to this altar where you hack at a chicken to the chicken God who's supposed to help you with fertility. He's like, and you're beefing with me about <laughs> idols in America. He said, explain it. He said, he said, man, people are worshiping things all over your country. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not fully in what he's saying here, but what he said was, he said, man, you build these huge buildings and stadiums and things to be able to gather around and cheer on these, these athletes. He said, I walk into your home and your living room and your, all your furniture is set up facing a TV because you worship the God of entertainment and, and just always absorbing and taking in entertainment all the time. He said, I walk around, I see there's, there's phones in everyone's hand, their heads down like this, and all they do is worship what they can consume on social media. He said, I look around at the stores and I'm driving down the street and before I can get between A and B, I've passed 20 fast food restaurants where people are serving the God of their stomach, where they're just trying to feed themselves all the time. He said, I just couldn't fathom the idolatry in your nation. And to be honest with you, I don't fully agree with what he's saying, but I know what he's saying. He's saying, listen, there's a lot of people in your nation that worship things all around them. And to be honest, before you followed Jesus, you worship a lot of things around you. Popularity, success, trends, social acceptance. I mean, the list goes on. When you decide to follow Jesus, it is going to change who gets your worship. And in this story here, 
Peter would have never experienced this if it was a bright sunny day going from point A to point B. But because of the storm, Peter came to know Jesus in a deeper and richer way. Y'all get that? If you're right, write that down, man. Don't miss that part. The storm is what caused a deeper, intimate relationship between Peter and Jesus. Can I show you this verse? The final verse in the passage? Do we have this verse up? There it is. And those in the boat worshiped Jesus saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let me explain to you what I think is going on here. You remember in Exodus, whenever they didn't have any food, what did God provide for them? Manna, right? And that was a miracle. Y'all with me? Whenever they were about to cross the Red Sea, they didn't have any chance to get across. The Egyptians behind them, what did God do? He parted the sea and they miraculously walked across. In Matthew, right here, Jesus miraculously produces food for 5,000 people. And then he follows it up with a miraculous water, water crossing in the middle of it. And here's what I want you to see. In the middle of Exodus, God speaks to Moses and says, I am is the one who sends you. Do y'all know that phrase? He says, the great I am. The same I am, verbiage and language is used here in this passage when he says, take heart, it is I, I am. Do not be afraid. It's the same verbiage in the Greek that is used across the board when he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of this world. I am the door. I am the shepherd. All these things you see there, Jesus is showing himself. Listen, the miracle is not that I did something crazy and powerful and fed people or I walked on water. That's not what you should celebrate. The big thing you should be in awe of is the fact that I did the miraculous feeding and the miraculous water crossing. I did what only the God Yahweh from the Old Testament could ever accomplish. And because you've seen this today, what you've experienced today should point you to realize that this Jesus really is who he says he is. He truly is the son of God and he is worthy of your worship today. And Peter and them can't help themselves. They fall on their face and begin praising and worshiping Jesus in the boat. Isn't that crazy? Do y'all see the picture from Exodus all the way to Matthew? Y'all see that, right? The miraculous feeding, the miraculous water crossing, both are pictures that only Jesus can do this. And he is a picture that he is the God, Yahweh in the flesh. Here's what I want you to see, students, very quick, and I'm done. Your decision to follow Jesus is gonna lead you in spots where it is stormy, man. Not every day is gonna be like today, but there will be days you walk through where the Lord's gonna lead you in a, in a hard spot. But the same God who led you into that middle, that storm, that trial, that difficulty, that wilderness, he is gonna bring you through that to a better place on the other side. And he's gonna do something in the middle of that storm that's gonna test your faith. Man, it's gonna be a struggle. You're gonna learn, you're gonna be challenged. But man, if you will stick faithful to the Lord, I promise this, you're gonna get to experience Jesus in a way that you never would have. And that greater intimacy, that greater depth with Jesus is gonna change the way you worship, the way you live, and the way you view the God of all creation, Jesus himself, because he is the only one who can carry you through that storm.
I just want you to know, students, whatever storm you're in, God loves you, he sees you, and he's asking you today, come, walk in faith. Come and join me in this and experience what I have for you. I promise the Lord has got big things for you if you will walk in faith with the Lord today. So I wanna take a moment, I'll pray for you guys, and then we will wrap up. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the students in the room tonight. I know it has been a fun night and um, we've had a good time. But Lord, I, I really do. I pray over the storms that are going on in these people's lives right now, the trials, the struggles, the difficulties that they're walking through. And I pray that every student here would be reminded that God, you love them, you see them, that this storm has not caught you off guard, that you're not, um, you're not shocked by it. If anything, you are prepared to provide every resource and everything necessary to get through it. It doesn't mean that you're, you're saying the storm's bad. It means that you're saying that the storm is going away tomorrow or that it's gonna be gone today. But you are saying that you are in the middle of it. You'll get in the boat with us and you'll help carry us through to the other side. All we have to do is trust you and walk in faith. May we, may we be like the Peter who is full of faith and not the Peter who is a doubter. May our student body here walk away tonight thinking, Lord, I, I, I really do believe you, I trust you, and I want to walk in faith with you today in the middle of a hard storm I'm in. So I pray, whatever storm, right now I'm gonna have every student, while you got your eyes closed, eyes closed and your head bowed, think about the storm in your life. What is it? You ain't gotta say it out loud, but name it in your mind. What is the storm? What's the struggle? What's the challenge? And I'm just gonna ask you plain and simple, do you believe God is big enough, good enough, and strong enough to get you through the storm? If you said yes, then let me just encourage you today and stop doubting. Stop walking in unfaith and start walking in faith with God. If you can do this tonight, if you can make that decision to walk in faith with God tonight, I promise tonight, tomorrow, and the next day will be so much better if you will trust the Lord in it.